Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Product Strategy and Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, I am extremely excited to be talking with TK Cater, founder of TK Unstoppable, which serves as a go-to-market advisors for high-growth SaaS CEOs, and he also brings an impressive background in strategy, alliance, marketing at companies, everything from Adobe to Bridgewater to Plaxa and everything in between. And where I have been fortunate enough to kind of find him as he is the creator behind the great YouTube channel that shares his name, TK Cater, but just a ton of good information and a ton of good stuff for all of us who are thinking about go-to-marketing. So welcome, TK. Rebecca, thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. Excellent. All right. For those who maybe, you know, don't know you and know your content. Give us a little bit about TK, how you got to where you are and why you're so passionate about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an engineer by trade and I've been building, scaling and exiting SaaS companies over the last 15 years. And one of the biggest things I learned is being an engineer and building a product isn't enough in order to make a company successful. You also have to embrace go to market. And so I forced myself to get dangerously good and go to market in sales and marketing. And I found that there's components of both that you need to build successful SaaS companies, software companies. And so having been grateful for the success that I've had, I now share everything that I've learned in my journey, both in my YouTube channel and also through my advisory programs where I work with SaaS leaders. Excellent. All right. So one of the things that you and I are talking about as we were getting ready for today, one of the things that I think you you touch upon a, quite a bit is that there are really three pillars of a good business. And I think that that's a really powerful piece. So talk to me a little bit about what the three pillars are and why they are so critical. Yeah. So the way I always look at it and what I've learned is there's three core components. The first one is product. I think product is the thing that everyone starts with or often you start with. The second component is market. That's the specific segment of the market you're going into, the competitive dynamics, the problem you're solving. And then there's the third pillar, which is go-to-market. What we find and what I find is depending on the founding team and the leadership team, they often tend to over-index on one, but the companies and teams that really win are ones that find a solid balance between those three components, market, 
product, and go-to-market. Those three things, when you actually optimize to fit, is when you get the best companies that are out there. And one of the things I think is really interesting is you're not talking about the roles of product and the roles of go-to-market and roles of market as being like three separate parts of the organization, but sort of that that through line of understanding and, and building on all three of those is key for every member of that team. Everyone from engineering to sales to everyone in between should be thinking about that. 100%. Yeah, I was speaking at a sales kickoff for a SaaS company recently. I don't do speaking engagements, but they're a client of ours and they invited me. I'm like, okay, like I love working with you guys. You've seen a lot of success. I'll totally do it. And it was a room with people that were in sales, people that were in marketing, people that were in product, they were engineers. And I was like, okay, how do I get all of them bought into one thing? And I, and I led with this framework around market, product, and go-to-market. And what you see is when you get all of these disparate groups of people thinking across those three things, if you can get an engineer to think about, well, how are they going to sell this thing? Or if you can get a marketer to think about how is the CEO thinking about our target market specifically from a broader strategic perspective, or how's the board thinking about it? When you think about getting all the roles to think about these three things cross-functionally, that's when the magic really happens. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Let's dig into all three. Let's talk go to market. Let's talk about what you mean here and then how we can keep those kind of that perspective alive in our organizations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that most important out of the three is market. And I think that people tend to ignore market the most. And the important thing to understand is you can take a pretty mediocre product. You can take a pretty mediocre go-to-market team. And if you're in a great market, the market forces are going to be so strong, you'll still win. Whereas you can take the best go-to-market team in the world, and you can take the best product in the world, but it's if it's operating in a market where it's not that great, then they don't stand a chance still, which is super, super interesting, right? Because we tend to be like, oh, we're the best salespeople, we're the best marketing people, we're the mm. best product. And it's this third thing around market that really determines success more than we're willing to admit. So in that case, are you thinking, is it market product fit or is it the health of the market itself? Like, is this a growing market? Is it currently experiencing an economic downturn? <laughs> is that, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, there's three key components that we get, no matter where you are, what your role is, to think about in terms of market. What makes a great market? The first thing is, is there a big macro trend that's happening in the market? Mm. When you have a macro trend, it means that, oh, like this is going to be, this change is going to be happening no matter what. So I'll give you an example of a great macro trend. I was having dinner the other night with a client and a good friend. They're in the GDPR privacy space. And for them, the go-to-market and product are amazing, but they're also in a market where they can approach any company and say, look, majority of the world is going to be under some sort of privacy regulation by 2025 or so. And if you violate one of these, you they will go after you personally. And mm -hmm. so we are a compliance platform for GDPR compliance and CCPA compliance and any other compliance that's coming up do you want to buy. That's an example of a macro trend. And you can start to see how with a macro trend like that, I'm sure you have a great product or a great go-to-market, but it just pulls the direction on the success. So macro trends are super important for a great market. The second thing is even if there's a macro trend, that doesn't necessarily mean it's an urgent and important problem. 
So asking yourself, is it an urgent and important problem in this market that we're solving because of this macro trend? Macro trend necessitates a transformation, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's urgent, meaning they have to do it now. And it's important, meaning if they don't do it, there's dire consequences. Mm -hmm. So that's the second thing we talk about in terms of market. The it's third thing we talk about. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one of the things that we teach is that a problem to be worth solving for the market has to be urgent, pervasive, and there has to be someone willing to pay to solve it, which I think is a little bit how you're talking about importance, right? Is it important enough? Absolutely. Will there be dire consequences? Something like that. So there's there's tons of synergy, and I think the way we think about those. That's right. Yeah. And so you start at the broadest zoom level of macro trend, then you get into the medium zoom level of urgent, important pervasive as you were using, like the, all those things, those words help you really clarify, is there something here that's super important? And then you zoom in a little bit more, and then you talk about, cool, given those two things, we have a pretty good market, but what are the competitive dynamics and what's the segment of the market that's most underserved for us? And if you do those three things and you can get through the gauntlet of those three things and you have a great market, then what you do in product and what you do in sales and marketing, which is go to market, becomes guided and tethered to that market strategy. A lot of things become easier and a lot of common mistakes get skipped, but you have to do that work cross-functionally on that market piece in order to be successful. So with, with the market, right, totally, we're 100% in alignment, right? Understanding the market, the trends, urgent, important, the competitive landscape. How do you turn that from maybe the activity of a few, right? Someone in product management, product marketing, maybe working together to either an activity as the company as whole, or at least where that information is distributed throughout the organization and understood at that wider level. The greatest tool that we found that really drives alignment and forces the discussion around macro trend, around urgent important problem, around segment of the market is doing a proper ideal customer profile exercise. And doing a proper ideal customer exercise where the leadership team is engaged, the marketing and sales team is engaged, all the way down to it's implemented where a non-ICP deal does not get the same commission level as an ICP deal. Mm. If you look at it that way end to end, then it forces the conversation cross-functionally across all stakeholders to get really clear on what is our market strategy. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So we start with market and then, then we, as you put it, right, we tether the product and the go-to marketing to that market. Yeah. So the next pillar then becomes product because you may have a market, but if you don't have a product, there's nothing to sell. And so the biggest lens that I try to institute with people I work with is how do you get out of the one more feature trap? Oftentimes we find corporations that are struggling to grow say, oh, if we just add this one feature, then everyone's going to buy and the C's will part and everything will come together. And oftentimes, more often than not, it's never that one more feature that's holding you back. It's a proper core product loop. And what we try to get teams out of is how do you think about feature, 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 and instead think in terms of core product loops. At the end of the day, you want a product that's easy to sell, easy to use, and easy to buy, right? And so in order to do that, the simpler the product, the more successful it's going to be to sell and buy, and the easier it's going to be to use. But people also want an actual solution to their problems that we identified in market. 
So thinking less so in adding more features and instead thinking about how do you think about core product loops, meaning what are the set of things we do in the product to achieve the result and the solution to the urgent and important problem and aligning around that, that allows the product to be a lot stronger and easier to sell in the market. And that gets engineers out of the game of, oh, we need to add one more feature. That gets salespeople trying to win on feature battles and instead of thinking in terms of broader solutions that they're really delivering. That gets marketers to tell a compelling and differentiated story in the market. And so a lot of work before you even start selling or marketing goes into product on how you structure the product in a way where it's a core loop that solves the urgent, important problem in the market. So really being maybe outcomes focused, right? This is this is what we do to solve this problem. And everything we do from prioritizing what we build to how we sell it is focused on talking about those trends and problems that we identified in the market. That's right. Yeah. If you think about it, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I really want to buy some more software. Like, right? Like they have uh, no one, like absolutely no one. And so what they're really looking for is like, hey, I really want this problem to be solved. And so if you can architect your product around like one metric we use is how many clicks does it take to get to an aha moment? Or how many clicks does it take to solve problem number one for the customer? And can you reduce the number of clicks? When you start to think in those terms, you start thinking about loops that users go through versus more and more and more features and more complexity. So if you can start thinking about that, where if both sides, engineering and go-to-market are on the same page and here's the market we're going after, and then they get together like, cool, here's the core problem and solution and let's reduce the number of clicks and create a compelling core product loop, then go to market and market and product starts to come together a little bit on how this whole thing comes together. So the go to market then focuses on the core product loops, which focus on the urgent and important problems that we exactly. face. Exactly. And all of a sudden you start to see why a company that's in a great market with a reasonably good product is way easier to sell and market. And they're going to be a lot more successful than the other way around where you have stellar marketers and salespeople on the team, but the market is unclear, the segment's unclear, product's too complicated, they're selling on features, they're waiting on five features to get built, and they're not winning. And that's why it's not the marketers and salespeople's fault, it's just that the strategy is all wrong around the company. So if we're, if we're a, a company who's maybe just new to thinking this way, I would suspect you would have them start with market, right? What if they find in their research it doesn't look like a good market fit or a, a good yeah. market? Yeah, you know, thank God, right? Because otherwise you'd be running in circles for another three quarters, mm -hmm. burning cash, cycling through your second CMO. And then mm -hmm. the board's like, you know, maybe it's not the CMO, maybe it's the VP of sales. And the reality is it's no one's fault. It's literally, you're just in a bad market. The vehicle for what you're building is all wrong. So it's important to face the truth early Nine times out of 10, what we found when we've worked with companies and CEOs and leaders is that the core technology they have can be pivoted into an urgent and important problem in the market. Mm, mm. Very rarely do we find, you know what, this is just undifferentiated technology and there's really no market need for it. What ends up happening is you find a much more important, urgent problem with a segment of the market that's underserved and then boom, it starts working together really well to drive growth. It's a great point. Like hiding your head in the sand is not going to help you, right? Like find out where the problem lies and then you can address it is always going to be the better solution. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What if someone goes through and they figure that they have a good, a good market, but that the product isn't speaking to that. It's become, you know, the Swiss army knives of software. Yeah. When so we do go to market, it? yeah. When we do go to market strategy work, one of the things that we've seen very often is 
before even the sales leader or the marketing leader raises their hands like, oh my God, this is great. The CTO raises their hands like, thank God we finally have clarity on exactly what our roadmap should be. So interestingly enough, doing the market work and then doing the go-to-market work brings together this narrative that then fuels the roadmap. And what you find is there's always some hard features that need to be built, but before that, there's editing that can take place to make the product a lot more compelling. Usually by the time companies start working with me, they don't have a feature problem. They don't have a breadth of product problem. They've probably built enough stuff. They have an editing problem. It's like, hey, mm. if this is the market, if this is a transformation, then here's how the product should be reconfigured so that we have to tell a compelling story and show a compelling product loop. That's when the magic starts to come together. I suspect it's often built enough. It's not just how do you change the experience to focus in on those core items, but how do you talk about them, right? Sometimes we maybe we just yeah. talk about too many of the features. Maybe there's one with, you know, it's important from a backend perspective, but it's not really focused on that main problem. That's right. All the little pieces start to come together. If you know what market, what the macro trend is, and what the core product loop is, then you know how the roadmap should be. When you know how the roadmap should be and you want, know what the core market is, then you know what the strategic narrative should be. If you know what the strategic narrative is and you know how a discovery call should run, you know what the lead magnet should be, and then you know exactly what the demo should look like. And then all these pieces start to line up because for the buyer, they are very aware of the big transformation that's happening. They're very aware of what's at stake. They're very aware of how it can be solved. They can see in the product demo that, oh my God, you can get moving on this very quickly. And then you can show the depth and then they're very much more likely to take action quickly. And there's also, if you're in a competitive market, this becomes even more compelling because you're able to tell a story that's like, look, you may be able to choose the 5,000 other CRM products, but here's where we really differentiate. And that becomes very powerful in the sales process as well to drive agility in the pipeline. So I, let's just dive a little bit further into go-to-market then, right? So we've, we've done the work, we've got, we understood the market, we've got a product that aligns to those core product loops, and now we really need to make sure that we're telling a compelling story about it across channels, right? Mm -hmm. How, what, are, what are some of the things, and I know you spend a lot of time with companies on this, where you're thinking about them, some of the sort of base tenants that they think about from a, a go-to-market strategy? Yeah, I think the first thing that you really have to work on helping teams understand is the difference between strategy and execution. I think that strategy is a word that's gotten a bad rep, mainly because mm -hmm. a lot of people have sold strategy with no results. And so, you know, running a Facebook ad is an execution. Doing SEO, creating content, execution. A lot of people can do execution, but very few can do strategy. In order to actually do strategy, I think there's two core pieces that you have to do. The first one we already talked about, what's your ideal customer profile? So a lot of work that I do with leaders is let's actually go through a very formal process on your ideal customer profile. The second piece that we do a lot of work around is your strategic narrative. What is the value proposition? What is the story you're telling? How does that all come together? How do you deploy that into your marketing and sales mix? That's the second piece. And the third thing I see often on the vein of confusing strategy for execution is a lot of teams are very scatterbrained about this week we're doing TikTok, next week we're doing LinkedIn, and the following week we're doing SEO, and the fourth week we're going to do cold calling because that's the new thing I read an article about. <laughs> and what ends up happening is go-to-market work is delayed compounding work, meaning there's delayed gratification and it compounds over time. So if you're changing up your execution, 
likely you're changing up your execution because there's no strategy. So if you create the strategy and then you do consistent execution and you do the marketing math to understand what's working and what's not, then you start to get that delayed compounding effect. So we teach you on how to deploy your messaging into your ICP on a consistent basis and measure that. And that's something that I work with the clients that, I, that we have as well. And I talk about on my YouTube channel as well on how to do. Yes. Do three things, put some sort of a framework, a structure and go to market. The type of structure that I think that marketing and sales teams crave, but in trying to do that, overcomplicate. And so I take a very much of an engineering perspective on let's get down to the core first principles on how this system should work. What do we measure and how do we iterate? And that allows teams to move really quickly and iterate and drive success. I think that's a well put, right? From a marketing and sales perspective, it is often a, we are sort of buried in the urgent and the fires and we're doing all kinds of things to try to make the numbers work, but they're all very downstream. And they get probably further and further. If there was a strategy, as we do that, we tend to iterate further and further away without that strong connection and grounding. The bigger you get as an organization, right? The further sometimes that you get from the team that that had sort of absorbed and seen and built that core truth. And it's very hard then at scale to make sure that we're still all running in that same consistent strategy and, and point of view. Yeah, it's very true. And I think it's easy to forget our entire lives as go-to-market leaders and practitioners is run by Pareto's principle. Pareto's principle is the 80-20 principle. And, you know, the reality is 20% of the traffic we generate through our marketing activities are going to be valuable and will actually engage. 20% of that traffic that goes to the landing page will convert out of the people, out of the leads that we generate and the pipeline we create, only 20% is going to turn into revenue. And so that's it. Like it's Pareto's principle. It's not unique to your sales and marketing capabilities. It's just the laws of the universe. And I think we forget to do the math on that. And that's why I always say it's delayed compounding work. You have to keep tweaking to make sure that 20% that is getting to that next stage is getting better and better. And you're increasing in volume with that 20% benchmark. If you do that over time, it really avalanches. And that's what we try to instill with all the clients that we work with. Absolutely. All right. We talked a lot about a lot of different things. If you, TK, we're going to have people listening today do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would that be? Yeah. Number one, do an ICP exercise. Really do one. I mean, like actually do an ideal customer so profile. Exercise. Ideal customer profile, right? Yeah. What should you be going after? Number two, really up-level your strategic narrative and your value proposition based off of that ICP work, the ideal, ideal customer profile work. And then number three, embrace marketing math and start to deploy that in a consistent basis because know that it's delayed gratification, but it, it compounds as you get it working. You do those three things, you will be able to revamp your go-to-market strategy and change the trajectory of your company. Which is what we all want to do, right? We're all passionate exactly. about what we do and we want to have impact at the organization. So do an ideal customer profile, create a strategy that's based with value props and, and that's really tied to, to what you've learned there. And then to your point, the marketing math, like the marketing math is true. Do the math, know what you need to get and be aiming for those things at every step. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's daunting to realize no matter how talented we are or how much we're doing, it's just Pareto's principle. It's 20%, 20% conversion at each step. Like that's 80, 20 is how the world is governed and including our lives. So just embrace it, do the math and do it that way. You're going to crush it. Awesome. 
All right, TK, I know uh, I've loved getting your expertise. And I also know that you really like to share your expertise, your thoughts, what your, what your group is doing. Where should people go to follow you? Yeah, just go to my YouTube channel. I drop an episode every single Sunday talking exactly about this stuff, ICP, strategic narratives, marketing math. Just go to getunstoppable.com slash YouTube, getunstoppable.com slash YouTube. And typically folks will watch my content. It's completely free. We have over 150 episodes now. We do it every Sunday, new, new episodes. They'll watch my content for 10, 20, 30 hours. And then if you want to work with me, go to getunstoppable.com and you can see the programs that we have to work together. Excellent. Excellent. I've, uh, I've spent many, many, many an hour on that channel. There's some great, awesome. and he does a great job of making them really entertaining and accessible. Like you always <laughs> leave powerful. Uh, you always like, it was, it was fun to watch. And at the end you're like, Ooh, there's a good nugget for me to chew on there uh, to do. So I definitely recommend I'm glad. Make sure you smash that like button if you, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <Enjoy that's laughs> you channeled my inner daughter there. It was every time she's like, did you like it, mom? I'm like, all right, kiddo. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, TK. Really great to have you on the show today. And I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rebecca. Amazing questions. I really enjoyed our conversation. Excellent. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.